Well, hello, our listening audience, and welcome to Companion to the Companion. Tonight we are discussing episode 34. It is 12795 at the Niagara Falls Convention Center in Niagara Falls, New York. And welcome, Ian, as well. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm 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 really excited to talk about this show that I don't know why I didn't have this more on my radar. I think I just breezed over that 2013, you know, Niagara Falls official release, but yeah, I really I loved this show. I really like I I I loved it a lot. It was one of those that I'd kind of forgotten about and relived and um it was it was magical. I really loved it. Good. All right, great. Well, I'm feeling fiery tonight. I also enjoyed the show, and I've been listening to lots of fish, so I have so much information that I can't wait to spit out of my head. Uh, Oh, good. Or at least opinions. Um, Yeah. We like a good opinion here. That's our thing. I I did really love this show, too, (laughs) although it sounds like maybe you liked it more than me. Well, I guess let's discuss and find out. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess I just think the last few were good, but kind of like there was a lot of draggy moments. and Right. I, I, this one had some some awkward choices, but I I loved it. I love the song selection. I overall, there's a lot to talk about as we dig in. But the band is really finding ways to win, to really play well together. And there were moments where I thought Trey really held back. He was approaching things really differently. He was trying different effects, and he was on his his Leslie speaker a bunch of times to good and bad effect. I thought. Right. But there, it was it was great. And the band interplay, I really everyone stepped up. It was a real everyone show. I didn't feel like there was a standout musician. They were all standing out. And it was their only show ever at this place, which sounds like a, I don't know, 11, 1200 seat basketball arena in Niagara Falls. And a lot of people talk about how it was fish in their prime and this great time to see them. And you can go watch some like real shaky grainy audience video that I think really adds to the vibe. The band seemed, the stage wasn't that big. They seemed very into the show and into each other and focused. And it was fun to watch little parts of it too. And uh, this kicks off what in the Fish Companion, which our podcast is about, this kicks off another one of those best week of fish question marks paragraphs, um, 12, seven to 12, 14, which they, they denote at the top as technically eight days. This is a special week. I'm excited to talk about all of it. Huh. Okay. Me too. I am also excited to talk about it. I think I we are going to get into an in-depth discussion about Rebas um, a little bit later in yes. this episode. And I came to a bit of a realization about my perception of 94 fish to 95 fish and what has changed mm. and what's different, what I like and what I don't like. And in listening to these Rebas, and we did kind of the same thing in 94, there's a pretty drastic difference to me <laughs> mm. um, in what's going on. Well, I, I expect that I will not be able to articulate it properly, and I hope that you all enjoy listening to me try and fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to be a fun <laughs> aside to this whole thing. Um, but yeah, I think that there is there is a part of me that just is like 94 is home. And I think that mm. I'm getting used to 95 the more we listen to it and I and I start to analyze it. Um, when you say Trey was leaning on his Leslie, that's the watery sound, right? Yeah. Okay. 
And it seems to elevate his volume a little too much too. Yeah. Like in The Slave, there's a moment. It, it's a very cool effect, but I still think he's finding ways to integrate it. He has his own Leslie cabinet. Right. So it really kicks the volume up and sometimes it's a little, it's used perfect and sometimes not perfect. I thought The Slave was a little strange and The Reba was perfect. So there's weird moments it comes in. And I think he's he's doing so much to be in the mix rather than on top of the mix in this show. Right. At, at real key moments. It was beautiful. It was really great. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, all right. Set one is Old Home Place is a, I don't know. It was a strange vibe setter. What did, how'd you feel about it? <laughs> this is <laughs> well, like it, people are pumped up rock show and they come out with a little bluegrass number. I like it. Like, I mean, in the same way that, that I felt like the water in the sky at Cyprus was, it has like a nice uh, bouncy, happy feel to it. And mm. I enjoyed it as an opener. And I also think it kind of has a special sort of like, they're sharing their appreciations in my old home place. I feel comfortable here. Um, there seems to be a message in it. So I am pro old home place opener, but the old home place curtain juxtaposition, what is yeah. comes next might be a little problematic for me. Yeah. The curtain was a natural opener. I thought to the yeah. show an old okay. home place could have snuck in somewhere a little later, but nonetheless, they were, everything was well played and it, it was just an exciting opening all around. Yeah, like and right girl, away, stylistically diverse. Oh, for sure. If this show is nothing else, it's stylistically diverse. Oh, yes. It is all over the place. And there, <laughs> yeah, it's, there yeah. are some crazy moments to it in terms of flow. Um, yeah. But yeah, the curtain was very well played um, as well. And it just kind of slams yeah. into ACDC bag. ACDC bag yeah, they, gets us our first sort of uh, improvisation of the night. Yeah, that's where I felt like the show kind of kicked in. Yes. Everything sure. was fine, but the ACDC bag, you're like, oh, this is this is great. This is going to be... Uh, I think we've had a couple of average first set shows lately mm-hmm. where they throw all the meat in the second set, and this was not that way. No, no, it wasn't. Yeah, I thought that was very, very good. demand which i really love yeah it was and very well played yeah and i have we covered a demand no. on this yet i don't know no, i don't think so it's very atonal and cool and the lyrics are wonderful 
it it really again the stylistic diversity standing out i i thought it was great and yeah me, me too i love the demand um, it's a great like little fishman showcase song too he's just mm-hmm. got like such cool moves in it um so i really enjoyed the demand they see that they see that i got like a little weird uh like for like in a good way uh, but it gets a mm-hmm. little gnarly and and it explores a little bit compared to like the '94 ACD ba- ACDC bags where they're just kind of straight up. Uh, they just kind of yeah. straight up and gets real intense. This one actually took its time in the middle, um, and we mm-hmm. get a, like a couple of extra minutes of I don't want to say noodling, but you know we'll just say they're they're surfing the wave, I guess. Yeah. Um, it didn't have uh, quite as like big of a peak maybe as some previous ones, but it but it was super high energy, and I thought it was what the show needed at that time. So I didn't get to say, but I approve of the ACDC bag into the demand. Yeah. Nice combo. Yeah. 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 Better than the old home place curtain combo. I think. <laughs> Touche. Um, and yeah. then, we, <laughs> then we get to the yeah. rift, you know, fish is a very tight band at this time. And rift <laughs> is, you know, requires a tight band. How do you think they did? I thought it was, there's, there's a couple songs that are played at, I think the peak of their speed in all of Fish's career, and this this is peak rift speed. This was <laughs> precision at this speed, but oh my god, it was it was amazing. I wrote patience and accuracy at speed. Yeah, like there was a calmness and a gentle approach with such a just p- driving rhythm to it. It was cool. Right. Again. Yeah. I do feel like the demand kind of crashed into rift in a way that, like, I don't know. It would be nice to have like a little little something at the tail end of demand or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of used to hearing it with the split jam. <laughs> yeah, are we? My brain are, just wants we, split jam on it. We're gonna be done with Rift now. Yeah. Like we're entering the period where it's it's gone forever. Right. I think I, I, there were some decent ones played later, but I would say '94 was probably the last year that Rift was a masterpiece of perfection. Right. And I'm sure there'll be some in 95 that sneak through. But after that, it kind of, I don't know. I don't know. It It's never been the same. Right. Well, they became more a groove-oriented band. So I, I get it. And that's not a groove-oriented song. It's a very specific type of beast. And now I it's don't know used, that. Now it's just used as a warm-up in set one and, you know, three and, three and 4.0. Yeah, 90... Seven, eight, I may have seen one or two riffs, and I always remember them being well played, but much slower, right? Much more precise, usually some you know technical flubs here and there. Yeah, I don't, I always kind of recall being underwhelmed by late 90s riffs, but yeah. um, I do recall seeing a couple of 3.0 ones where they're slower, but I do, but I did remember thinking, You practiced, I'm proud of you guys. Of yeah, you. it's it's not an easy one, <laughs> and at this speed, it is absolutely not easy. And so after the rift, they sort of, um, you know, show their technical prowess. And then they're going to give us this slave to the traffic light in a very peculiar spot. Yeah. And not is it just a peculiar spot, but is it unearned? Like, I almost kind of feel like, you know, a song like Slave comes after a big, like a big build release. You need a wind down. And sometimes Fish does deliver that in the first quarter of a show, but I'm not so sure mm. they did here. So it's kind of like I haven't even danced that hard yet, and then you're just going to give me this crazy sparse slave. 
That being said, this is a fan favorite. People think there's a lot of comments that this is one of the best slaves ever. And um, yeah, curious what you think. I, I um, As an individual listen, just listening to the slave, I think it's a great slave. And I think if I was at this show and this happened in the middle of the first set, it would really throw you off in an awesome way. And so yeah. I love the song placement, but it is very unusual. Yeah, I, I have a lot to say about it as well, because this is the first of a few headphones in the book. And people do talk about this slave. Everyone who writes a review of this show mentions this slave as being one of the absolute high points of the show. Right. And we're going to discuss a bunch of Rebas later from this fall tour. Not one of those has a headphone in the book. In the book. There's not a fall 95 Reba with a headphone. That's kind of, so, that's nutty. Yes. <laughs> so you would assume that this slave would really, that you know, stand out as a masterpiece. And I see myself as a bit of an aficionado of Slave to the Traffic Lights, especially starting in 94, 95. The live one version is one of my favorites. We did a deep dive on Slave on a previous episode. I wish I could call back our episode numbers and remember what we did, but <laughs> good God. No chance. We're and fans. Yeah, psh, not my job. <laughs> uh, this slave was, it was very good. Yeah. But it did not, if I had known nothing about it. Right. And I just went in, I was like, whoa, slave to the traffic light in the middle of set one. This is weird. I would have loved it. Yeah. And I think being there, it was gorgeous. And yeah. I, I watched this one on video because I was just curious about the room. Right. And this is where I think the, the Leslie effect kind of near the end, right before the build has a negative effect. I think it it jumps up in volume and then Trey has to build up out of it. Right. The build is nice. It's very patient and beautiful and more of that attempt at band woven interplay, which will become their real signature sound moving forward. But it was, uh, I don't know, it was okay. It underwhelmed only because of the hype. Right. And it wouldn't have underwhelmed if there was no hype. And it wouldn't have overwhelmed, underwhelmed in, in the moment. In, in the moment. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, it, it would have been shocking. And then when that slave was over, you would have felt like you already had your money's worth and you were in the middle of the first Oh, yeah. Time. I mean, amazing. So, I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's an yeah. awesome move. They knew what they were doing. And it is yes. a cool slave. I do think, like, the composed beginning section is really sweet. It's really great. Yes. And then and then it just goes crazy sparse once once the jam starts. I love that part. Yeah, it's I mean, so it, it the is room just, you just feel oh, in there, you know, it's it's nice. They were soaking and, in that room, like just kind of wallowing yeah. in it. And that and that is really cool. And then and then it takes a bit to build build up and it, it has a, a really lovely build, but it's not quite as epic and quite as moving as I don't know, for to me as some other slaves. Yeah. But still, yeah, it is a very, great. very good though. Very, yeah. very good. Everyone should listen.
now we've we've pushed down, we've tamped down the excitement a little bit. So yeah. now when you go listen, it'll just be that much better. Tamping it down. And then so they finished Tamping out with Gaiuti, uh, which is, you know, still fairly new and not, you know, played that much, I guess. Although this was its heyday, I suppose. Yeah, it was it was happening more and more. Yeah, 95 and 90. Yeah. Not a big fan of this version. It was a little sloppy. Or, yeah, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. I think it's compositionally difficult, and I think they, they do a good job. They make it through. Uh, the ending, I liked the ending a lot. The ending was good. Uh-huh. It was, it's Gaiuti. I still think it's the new song at this point. Yeah. I think coming after Slave, you giving someone a lot of composition is a good move. Uh-huh. So set list wise, I liked it. I liked it more than the bouncing that follows, which was kind of not, I mean, it was note perfect, pretty and stuff, but I, if it went Slave bouncing, I wouldn't have been as happy. Right. Okay. Fair enough. I think yeah. it is an interesting mix of, of, Strange or pop song choice composition. Strange or pop choice composition. It's a they they kind of it's a set list that was an oddly written. I think both set lists are very oddly written. Well, maybe on purpose. Maybe it was let's put some weird songs together and approach this in a different way. Right. And I think it yielded some really fun results and different takes on the songs than we're used to. I agree. Yeah, that's probably what kind of sets this part aside from the the the. The other amazing shows this month. Nice tongue work. Thank you. <laughs> you guys can't see what what I see. This is this is nice. <laughs> He's married, guys. Let him let him be. And then bounce in, and then possum. Yeah. Which I not my favorite song usually, but I loved this one. It's great. This was more of the band. Like it was Trey was pulling back a lot. It was a lot of great full band interplay. I enjoyed it a lot. I agree. It was classy blues and, yeah, and some patience, and yeah, not, not quite as obnoxious as 94 style. Um, mm-hmm. they're cla- mm-hmm. And they're, they're work in the room. So it kind of has these sort of more calculated kind of uh, slower builds. <sighs> I don't know about my analogies tonight, Sam. Calculated slower builds. <laughs> I like, I like calculated slower builds. It works for me. Okay. But yeah, it just, it wasn't, um, it was, it didn't feel rushed. Right. They weren't jumping into it and shoving to the big peak. It was. It took its time. And it, every single band member, you know, it's a lot of times in this show, when they take an eight or a 16 bar phrase, instead of one musician pushing a solo over it, they're really interplaying and sharing m- little mini bars within those bars. And there's a lot of finishing phrases there's a lot of starting phrases for the next bar it's very very big ears music and i thought it was showcased really well it kind of started in the acdc bag the slave it was really especially the quiet part of the slave and then i thought this possum it really sets up the second set as um you know the kind of improvisation that we are looking for right and i think being at the show being in the moment this one was a headphones on for me. I thought listening to it in the car or, you know, in other places was fine, but with headphones on and eyes closed, it really the the improv in this show really did it for me. It's true. And I think ninety five might just be one of those years that maybe functions a little yeah. bit better on headphones because there is a lot of it's like layered and big to fit the arena, but there's still a lot of subtleties and nuance in the background. Um, that I think, you know, I kind of struggled with um, some of the audience versions. That's why I think the soundboards are nice and 
and they're especially great on the headphones. But I did make note of a couple of jams in the second set that they were headphones needed. Yeah, I think we're going to be, you know, when I mix audio into this, it's always audience versions. There's going to be some rough stuff. I didn't even listen to the audience version of this yet. And uh, I will be as I'm mixing this now. So good luck, everybody. I don't think it's that bad because I do remember listening to this Mike's Groove when it when it was you know mm. before the release and still being incredibly moved by it and just thinking like Good. wow that was that was nuts so i think the magic will will still be there so yeah we got unique now uh awesome it's, it's good i don't know like i i don't know i'm probably a little bit less plussed by it than than you but um yeah solid set yeah yeah the possum was fun and then the only fish show ever I've read in a few places to close with acapella songs, first and second set, but hello, my baby to end. Okay. So it, again, interesting choice. Was the room calling for acapella is a 12,000 seat echoey basketball hockey arena calling for acapella. I don't know. And maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a way of the band really keeping themselves together. Who knows? Works. But I thought good first set, yeah. not life changing, not mind blowing. But really good. Lots of points. I would listen to all of it if it's me. If you got the time, do it all. If you're going to skip a couple things and listen to just your favorites, uh, sure. That works too. Yeah. But when we... rock the ACDC tag, demand rift. Like, you don't want to miss that. Yeah, that's fun. Okay. And when I finished the first set, I was worried. I was like, that was really fun. But I don't, you know, right. the second set really better deliver, which the last couple shows, it you know, it has. But I think this one delivered for me a lot more. Well, you know, I was actually, that concern came for me after Split. But upon re-listen, Split was one of the jams that I think it took me a few listens. Not that I didn't enjoy it the first time. But anyhow, the second set opens up with audience chess move. It's a little (laughs) bit shorter than it has been in the past. I'm sure you appreciated that. Good. So it was quick. Um, I thought the Split was a wild version. I mean, and just wild. I thought it had lots of cool little sections. I just, I'm not sure if it ends up coalescing into something epic, like I would expect out of a 17 minute 95 split. But that being hmm. said, I do think there are a lot of really awesome moments in it. And there's tons of improv. I I started to question whether, I think there's three peaks in it where they kind of like attempt mm-hmm. a big peak and there's three of them. And I really enjoyed all of them, but not a, none of them kind of like turned into this really huge release. I feel like mm. maybe I didn't get the release I was looking for, even mm. though there was a world of amazing improvisational tension. Okay. Sure. My two cents. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. We get to differ a little because okay. this was I think one of the highlights of the whole show for me. Oh, great. I was obsessed with this split open and melt. I listened to it a bunch. Uh, this was a headphones are guaranteed. Yeah. But it was, I was like, this is how, I mean, the, the little Inagata DeVita was really funny. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, there were so many little notes I put like at 840. I just put insanity, rhythmic heaven.
it's like so off and on, so tight. And then at like 11 o'clock, there's this proto like up-tempo groove breakdown. You know, it said it was a psychedelic juggernaut. Oh, like it was just huge and massive, and it really did. I, I, I think it. If you don't really focus entirely on it, it's not going to be great. It really requires your attention. And the more I, li- more times I listened to it, the more I loved it. And yeah. the humor at the end was so tight and so funny. I think that it's. I, I thought it was peak fish. I really loved it, and I think. Peak 95 fish, I should say. Right. It was so out there and so strange, and but still so many moments of it that you could grasp onto. They right. were just short-lived. And it was a million ideas at once, but they were all keeping up with each other. I, I loved it. And how do you compare like a split like this to some, like a peak split from 94? Like, what do you think the differences are? I think 94, they're, they're more tray-led. Uh, Trey Fishman led for sure. And they're going out on these out there rhythmic branches and sort of guitar led branches and ideas. I think he's driving these, these musical ideas out there or he'll hit something strange or he'll push an idea. And I think this was, again, the whole band was pushing ideas and the, the listening was bigger. So I think they went a lot of cool directions but they never stayed anywhere very long, which I actually really, really enjoyed. Correct. Yes. Yeah, it, it, I guess it my, my OCD brain was so happy. Right. And I, I agree. It was, I listened to it three times and each time I listened to it, I liked it a little bit more. Um, and I, and I, I never got it. bored. Yeah. And I loved it all three times. I think that there is something, I guess what I was going to say about 94 is there does seem to be sort of like, you're kind of going up and then you plateau and up and then you plateau and up and you plateau up and plateau until you go like all the way up to the top when the, this was much more of like a really improvisational pocket jam where they were kind of like in that mode of split open and melt dissonance, but they were exploring pockets and listening to each other. Uh, And yeah, I mean, I think for that reason, it is very interesting improvisation. So I've convinced myself that I love it. What a great version. It's it to me it it felt avant-garde painting. Yeah. It felt you weren't painting with intent and strokes. You were painting with pure emotion. Right. And the the results can be very you know, the results can vary. Yeah. They they can vary and they can be very. But I I felt that it was uh it it spoke to me. Yeah. I loved it. And it's a headphone in the book, so I wasn't the only one, I guess, it spoke to. No, I mean, but it's it was a 17 cool... minute split from 95. I mean, I'm not, sure. I, we're just, yeah, we're we're just picking the bones here. But we'll call it an AP split. It's, it's AP. It's high level. You, you can't just listen to this split. Out of sure. Nowhere. Yeah, you just can't come in off the street. And from from the opening up till, like like I said, like a little into the eight, eight and a half range, it is, it's okay. Yeah. But that that back second half was wild stuff. Yeah, so opening, split open and melt, 
finishing with kind of a humor and tightness. And then their ballad of, of the tour. Can we call and it then the ballad again, of the tour? The first bring down, like right away, 17 minutes of intensity and then woo, super chill. Like, did they think that our yeah. endurance was just off tonight? What? I don't know. It was a strive. <laughs> I mean, Strange Design is very pretty. Oh, it was great. It, it was an awesome version. Yeah, and I I think they were really pushing this as their their yeah. single yeah. at the time. Oh, okay. And like sliding it into this spot, they just you know cracked your brain in half, and now it's like ah, here you go. Here's a little, you know, our little pop piece, and it's very warm, and the harmonies are really ninety five was a good singing year for fish. Right, yeah. It really was. Their harmonies were were great in this. And that's the biggest complaint I get from people I play fish for. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny you should like, say that when we're about to discuss this taste, but oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I these none of these men are natural born singers. Yeah. But they sing professionally and they do it with hard work. They do it with, you know, the the voices they were given. And they do a great job. And actually, I think something that's evident in this taste that we're about to discuss is that, yeah, I could totally agree. But I think they are some of the best vocal arrangers for sure. rock music of their generation. They're so good at arranging the vocals. And yeah. they have such great creative ideas. They can't always pull them off. Um, and I think that that kind of happens in this taste. So this is an early version of taste. And it's not quite there yet. And there are some sections that obviously need to be removed. But that being said, they are really cool to hear because you can hear the thought process behind the composition about how, you know, Trey wants to take every little part of a song and make it way more complicated than it needs to be. And that's mm. kind of his, that's his thing to make it more complicated than it needs to be. And taste sure. is already so complicated. <laughs> and there are some vocal harmonies and some like sort of rhythmic parts that go with it that are just so, so on that and really bring the song down. They really drag it. Yeah. Down, I have to say, Ooh. Uh, but I'm saying, Ooh. <laughs> but the Ooh. idea is so good. Um, so yeah. I feel like that this is a really good, you know, just a good example of, of, Overcomposing to their abilities, I suppose. Yeah, I I really appreciate the the ability of this band and the confidence to put new material in heavy situations. Yeah, and to do the split open and melt, and then do strange design, then taste. Right, both new songs, a ballad, and then a kind of their new little compositional. And this shows where taste will go. Right, and you see the glimpses of it, but it doesn't go there. Right, and Trey has a hard. Mm, hard's the wrong word. He does stumble a few times because he's soloing over this new chord progression that's still exciting. And you feel him searching right. in that rhythmic pattern for new avenues that he has not found. And Arier's here. Why isn't he just doing the thing he always does, like 97, <laughs> 98, right. where they are just destroying this song? And he yeah. is so confident with the melody of those chord changes and soloing over the changes and he's not at this point because it's brand new. Right. And I, at first I wanted to shit on it when I listened to it. I was like, there's a, I don't know, there's a lot of mistakes in here. And yeah. the the jam is not that great. But then I thought about where it was in the set and in their career. And it was brave. It was really brave. I, it was They're one just of so the more brave. enjoyable listens of the show for me. Not that I think it was like the best, but I just really enjoyed listening to it. As, yeah. as a, a longtime Fish fan, it's just fun to listen to. Yeah, it felt like a little, you know tween version of what it's going to be <laughs> totally uh, yeah totally 
Um, so yeah, and then we kind of get into the Reba. So we got yeah. big Reba, dead set in the middle of the second set. And boy, is it fast. Is Was this the fastest one? I think it was. <laughs> Because we, I listened to a bunch. I think this was the fastest one. Yeah, there was three, right, that were kind of like in the fast. But yeah, I think this mm. was the fastest one. And on my first listen, I guess, my first listen, I think I thought it was sloppier than it was. And I went back and re-listened to it a few more times. And it wasn't that bad. I mean, there was, no. <laughs> they got it was, a couple times, but, you know. Whew, <laughs> it, it breakneck pace. Who, I mean, it. It's got to be Trey that starts at that pace, right? Like, it's like, it's it's hard. And as Fishman, I'm sure he, I don't want to get into the psyche of the band too much here because they're just people. But is he trying to grab onto that speed and just say, oh, you want to do it there? I can do it there. Yeah. You you guys try and keep up. And (laughs) Uh, Definitely. Do they talk later and be like, fuck you, man. That was... (laughs) That was not cool. <laughs> or is it because they've been playing the song so long that they want to see if they can hit composition at that speed, but that they really like the jam at a higher pace? Because we listen to a ton of Rebas, and all of the ones from the fall are a little faster. Uh-huh. And the jam is very different, like you said, even from 94, and definitely from 96, 7, 8. Yeah. It, it's a very different piece of music and the jam is very different. Yeah. And we, I listened to probably, I don't know, it was played like 16 times. I think I listened to a dozen beyond this one. This may have been my favorite. Wow. I'm not going there. Wow. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> I like, I thought it, it, it did all the things it's supposed to do. Right. I thought the Reba's from the fall that tried to get out there too much kind of stumbled a lot. And this one had some really interesting moments early on in the jam. There were these parts where, you know, Paige is really low in the mix of the official release, which bothered me a little. Right. But his piano work, Trey just sits back and sort of single note finishes phrases and moves between for a while. And it's gorgeous stuff. This is the beginning and of th- the jam. Yes. Yes. I thought that. And I the, really, really enjoyed it. The first few minutes of the jam are incredible. Thank you. 
And I thought the very end was great. I thought yeah. it peaked really nicely. Right. I think a lot of the Rebas I listened to failed miserably at their peaks from the fall. Right. This one did not. I thought this one peaked really well. And there were some difficult builds up till there or some strange mid-level plateaus. Right. But I thought it was really good. I was, I mean, we're going to get into a bunch of Rebas here from the fall, but I was broadly disappointed by a lot of them. Wow. I honestly had a hard time. I enjoyed them all, but I was expecting it, you know, a couple to really head and shoulders above everything else. Well, I broadly and, enjoyed all of them. And I think this might be good. the last episode. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> I am so busy. I, I, we don't have, uh, but really like I, I liked them all. I just, yeah. uh, I'm a big Reba fan. Yeah. And I think when I think back to some of the Rebas we've heard, like the, the schnitz from 93, like there were some Rebas that blew my fucking mind. Yeah. And I know 96, 7, 8, there's a bunch that blow my fucking mind. And so, and in 94 as well. So I really had high hopes for this. Right. And I think I was just mildly let down. Okay. I still really enjoyed a lot of them. Well. I just, none of them like, like if you said pick your single favorite, it might be the one from this show. Right. Okay, well, let's let, let me let me start you off where I am. Let's go yeah, we'll get into official it. release ten twenty one ninety five. It's an official release. It's a very tight. It's a really tight version. Very well played. It's also fast like this one. It's a little bit more traditional. Has staccato. Has trilling. All my favorites. Really like that one. Another one that I think you probably didn't like, because you were kind of mentioning that they kind of lost its way, was the 1014-95 from the Medeski Martin and Wood show. It opens up yep. the second set, and I really yep. loved it. I like there was something about that Reba that I felt very enchanted by, very much like the 1020-94 hood, where mm-hmm. uh, they were just kind of like exploring pockets. Like, it's like the Rebo was happening behind them and they were kind of like so in communication with each other that they were just going down all these little little rabbit holes. And um, did it have like a, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So that one was different. I really liked that. And then I just- Well, 1014, I I loved the beginning of the jam. Trey was gorgeous in there and the band really had patience, but I didn't like the whole back half. And 1021 is on my list of my top three. For okay. sure. Well, 1021 good. was great. Yeah, I really... just 1014 had such phenomenal dynamics. There were just the sure. craziest dynamics in that performance. And I and I live for that shit. So I Yeah, was... I just like missing key notes in some really right. important spots. Like it just gets I I don't know. I 
I'm not going to make a bedroom reference here, but there's, you know, you just hit a point where you're like, eh, right. It's going to take me a minute to get back to where I'm really focused and excited again. Totally. And I think the band feels that too. When one person hits like a real sour (laughs) and and instead of running with it, they're just like, Oh, fuck. All right. Well, let's take it back. And let's like, it takes a minute. And I felt that in a bunch of these Rebas and that's what like hurt my 1014 love a little bit. Okay. Well, talk to me about some others. I have one, uh, one favorite favorite. So I'll save that. So, so 1025, yeah. was officially released on Live Bait 12, mm-hmm. so you can go hear soundboards. Sure. It's super long. Everybody's like, this is worth all the effort to listen to. It's great, all these multifaceted. I just thought it was garbage. <laughs> I don't know. And lots of people love it. That could be your favorite. Well, this I is, just thought this there was the so key. much searching and not yeah. connecting. Correct. This is the key to that, Reba, is that it is very long-winded. <laughs> there's there's sure. a little, like the composer. Which I like. Too. The compose section even has a little flub, so it's not even a perfect compose section. And then it starts and it's cool. And then it's just like, whoa, they are like really taking their time with this. And it is almost kind of like ambient for a while. But what I will say is that I don't think that there's another Reba at any time that has a peak even close to this big. I mean, I think the peak is it's like fucking Godzilla. Like it's a joke. It is so big. take that last few minutes and it's just and there's something about the sound of it and the bass especially for that time so it mm. is it is special for that but sure. again, it deserves a, a listen it's, it's got a dead yeah. <laughs> unlike the split open and melt from this show it, it i don't know it, oh. it it doesn't pay off for me all the work doesn't pay off right but it was like 
102195 is a great show all around as well. Correct. And I really enjoyed re-listening to parts of that show. And maybe because 1025 is just this one song. Right. That kind of is out there as a good copy. A lot of these 95s that are audience recordings leave them a lot to be desired. That's true. So maybe that colored some of this too. Um, my other, I mean, I had a couple I really liked. Uh, my other favorite was 1124 from Pittsburgh. Ding, 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 ding. I, <laughs> it was great. Like that, that was, so my three was 1021 and 1124. And then this show we, we just listened to. But I really, I don't know. I, it was like it was ninety five Reba. Like it was what I expected to be. Uh, the only one that gets headphones around here is New Year's ninety five, which, you know, I was at and I love and I've listened to a million times. I almost think it's overrated just a bit. I mean, it's sacrilegious to say that, right? But I love that Reba. But this one is just as good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought and this was actually great. the theme before it is fucking awesome too. So yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's like a theme in Dariba. They're both great. And I actually made a little note here. Kevin, just this would be great on live bait. Oh, absolutely. Just the, the theme Reba would be a real nice little. See, the Mike and Trey like finishing each other's lines for a minute near the top of the jam there. Was, yeah. I Mike, uh, their connection through this Reba I thought was beautiful. Uh, the whole band, but, you know, Mike and Trey seemed very locked in this very guitar based, you know, way that was, it was great. It was
was great. Yeah, fucking Fishman is like dancing around everybody like a little greasy yeah. troll. Just like, just yeah. like he's on everyone. It's crazy. And then it's uh, yeah. followed by a really funny, almost acapella catapult. It was really cool. So a great, it, this Pittsburgh show is cool, but I thought that Reba was, it was, it was great. I, yeah, a bunch of these, I don't know, it was 15 times in the fall and nine are on the jam charts. None receive headphones. Yeah. So the jam charts just like to throw stuff on there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Fishnet is an ever-evolving thing, you know, and I feel yes, like which I, know I appreciate. people are like going to get on. There shouldn't just be headphones and they're almost always like, yeah, totally. And so, you know, there's a lot to consider. Uh, yeah, what would be the point in taking something off of the jam charts? Yeah. Right? Like, who's <laughs> who's going to... We're we're really getting into the minutia of life at that point, but who's yeah. doing that? Right. <laughs> Saying no, 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 guys, you're you enjoy this too much. We need to get less people to be enjoying this and yeah. seeking out listening to it. Take this away. No, no more for you. That makes no sense. Uh, any anything else you want to bring up? I did really like the eleven version. I thought it was a nice understated version. It had some really uh, delicate playing that was really cool. Um, and it had a sensational finish. That was a cool one as well. Yeah, that was good. I liked 11.9 too. I, something about me, I have this weird connection to that three-night Fox Theater run. Mm-hmm. So they, they do Quadrophenia. They take like a week off, or more than a week, and they come back and they play three nights, you know, first, 9th, 10th, 11th of November, I believe, mm-hmm. at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. And all three shows have so many cool highlights. So when I listen to this Reba from that, I just felt, you know, I'm cozy with those shows. Oh, nice. I really liked it. Uh, it they're those shows that, like, they're straight B-plus all the way through. Yeah. But yeah. but it's all the way through. Uh, yeah, all, all the good. songs. And that, and that Reba had, like, a really, like, great 95-size build. Like, really huge. Yeah. Yeah, everyone I listened to was good. Right. I just expected to be floored. I wish 1025 did it for me. That was my real, like, that was the first one I listened to, and I think it soured me on the whole endeavor did you what did you think of it like when it first came out same thing same thing yeah okay yeah i love the live baits i listen to them all the time right i i I just go back you know straight top to bottom like i'll put one on today and just listen to all of it until i'm done well i can't speak for other people's car stereos and a lot of people you know a lot of these songs we say are headphone jams i would say that that particular reba the 1025 that's a car subwoofer jam for me Hmm. yeah it, it always gets me best in the car with the subwoofer. So maybe, maybe that's the key for you. I live in the country, but I don't drive enough. Oh, yeah. Everything, I, I work too close to my house. I don't put a lot of miles on it. And when I do, <laughs> it's always, you know, kids in the car. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we did I, the not Reba. Not that we should all be driving more, but, you know. I guess. I uh, really, yes, we did the Reba. I, I didn't really get into, like, the differences between the 94 Reba, or maybe we did. But I uh, I just mm. feel like the 95 ones are weirder. I, I just. <laughs> <laughs> there, yes, there 94 is a blueprint. In, uh, yeah, atonal notes going into weird pockets, searching. And, but I mean, that's a natural progression for a song that you've played so many times that you just want to find new parts to it. So it was almost kind of like they found its perfection in 94, and now in 95 they're trying to figure out where does it go now? What's the next step for Reba? And I feel like they found some some great possibilities. Yeah, this could be a really interesting... I'm just projecting... But a really interesting song to discuss deeper in 96, because 95 Rebas are changing, but 96 was that big year between sounds. Right. And there's so, we're not going to spend nearly enough time there. 
because there was only a handful of shows on the list from that year. But seeing shows then was really cool. Yeah. Every show was so different and they changed so quick. I mean, you think about New Year's 95 to spring 97. They're totally different band. Yeah. And that was 18 months. Not even. 14 months. So during that stretch, what happened? Right. And I'm sure there's Rebas in there that are as if not more experimental than these ones. We're going to find out. Yeah, it's going to be fun. (laughs) And they're starting to probably slow the tempos down on them a little and have little groovy sections at the top of the jam. And Right. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. All right, back to 12-7. So we're we're through the Reba. And then what's next? You ready? Yeah. Don't take another step. An entire (laughs) trayless Julius. Yes. Which, I mean, it started... And it was so fast, and the band was so happy. You could feel the energy, and Paige starts ripping. I love, I think Trey's an underrated rhythm guitarist. Sure. And I know I've had this conversation with Ryan before. His gorgeous little background, he does these little like three-note clusters of chords. He just sits back and pushes Paige, this whole thing. And Paige delivers all the way through. It was short and sweet and... Like this Julius flew under the radar for me and it was one of my favorite parts of the whole show. Yeah, it was great. The understated tray was really cool. He was just kind of rhythm. I I agree. It was really great.
I mean, it's it's a standard 95 Julius with just like a little bit less <laughs> Trey. But that yeah. is and just I want to be fair to Trey because, you know, we can all fish pants. We're going to be hardest on Trey. Just how it goes, man. You know how it is. Mm. I personally think as far as the fan base is concerned, they overrate you on a lot of things. But I do think as far as popular culture is concerned, Trey, you are underrated on everything. <laughs> everything. I mean, they, yeah. The world hasn't figured it out. But they, they sure. were one day. What, what a fucking genius and a gift to music that, that man is. Is uh, it the, the like stripey, puffy hammer pants with the Pepe Le Pew cutoffs yeah. shirt? Is that, is that the look right with there. the mop top? Yeah, that's a look. <laughs> I don't know the shoes, but I'm just guessing some sneaks. But yeah, okay. looking good. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. So the Julius was great, and um, yeah, just and then flew talk by. to me about this this next duo here. <laughs> this was a very strange choice. The sleeping monkey. The, these next two, yeah, the sleeping monkey sparkle. What do you think? The sleeping monkey fishman messes up a little bit, but it's funny. Hmm. The solo rules, like always. <laughs> Solo's great. I mean. Yeah. It was this, this was more like you said a strange setless choices in the show. Yeah. And then I I have seen that Reba then the Julius Sleeping Monkey I would have been huh this is weird are they going to end the show now this doesn't make any sense. Right. Then Sparkle I just would have been standing there with my arms crossed like are we right. serious? Yeah. We're really doing this now like are we going to do Sleeping Monkey Sparkle lights come up and then Rocky Top and then I well, go. That home? would have been crazy. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is this? It would have to be a yeah, I'm a Bowie or a Mike's Groove. Yeah. So <laughs> I, yeah, we can breeze the Sleeping Monkey Sparkle, I guess. Uh, although these Sleeping Monkeys from '94, '95, these solos are just amazing. I, I, this great. is where we tip our hat to Trey, but yes. Yeah, it's great, but it also is just like it's the same sort of thing where it's just a lull in the show, kind of like in the same way the Gaiuti bouncing is, or the mm. you know mm. the strange design taste. It's like these little lulls in between these incredible performances, which is fine, and it just makes it unique. But I think that's what's that's how I perceive it. But I think the Gaiuti earlier was attempting to work on their you know new masterpiece of composition right and i thought the strange design taste was rolling out new material and big heavyweight spots of the show to kind of work out in front of a huge crowd right. what they want to do with this new material but sleeping monkey sparkle is a little bit of a sure a little bit of a kick to the nuts that's that's true the proverbial nuts but the nuts nonetheless right and then yeah the second of the mike's pogs the better of the two pretty good yeah, pretty good. It's pretty, uh, pretty, it's pretty good. So I would say it's not as intense as 12-1. Um, it's leaner. Mm. It gets to, it gets there faster, has a longer groove section. It's, if you like Weak Upon Groove, this is like the Mike's groove for you. Sure. <laughs> the Mike's, the Mike's was good. It was good. The, the Mike's is good, but the Mike's very is good. Like, the Mike's is practically Weak Upon by halfway through it sure so so there's not as much mike so i listened to um there's a live bait mike's groove from around the same time god damn it i'm going to just live bait i think it's like a live bait 14 or 15 or something like that sure um, and i listened to it and it and it's 
much more mic'sy. Like it's more spacey. It's mm. like noisy. It's brash. This one isn't as much that I, I don't feel like. This is rhythmic yes. and fun. Correct. And dancing. Euphoric. It's more cathartic than dark yes. and evil. Yes, it's very euphoric. And I think it it the reason, well, the result of this being kind of upbeat and then leading into the week of paw properly with a fucking key change unlike the last one. Which and it was, was perfect. Very, <laughs> yeah. very well done. Very, very well. Yeah. I mean, the the few minutes leading into week of paw at the end of the mics was great. I really liked that a lot. Right. You can't not like that. And then the move into Week of Paw was great. It was a really nice jam right off the top. Everyone's holding back and giving each other space. And then it breaks down into kind of nothing in this dark, brooding, beautiful, like psychedelic out there. It it it's in the book, so the mics gets headphones. The Week of Paw does not. That's a shame. But then they call after it a digital delay loop jam, which I hate denoting. It's just fucking weak. Pod. Come on, guys. <laughs> I'm rarely going to insult the book, but like just putting words in there to put words in there. Yeah. We're all going to go listen to this. You don't need to name it something fancy. Yeah. But I thought that the end of the week of paw out of the show was so cool. Yeah. And the fact that it goes from this dark, insane, psychedelic realm into an acapella amazing grace was just like that's best band ever moments you know that's Mm -hmm. that makes up for the sleeping monkey sparkle for me is this mike's week paw it really does it's not i'm not going to listen to it every day of the week it's not like i listened to it and instantly hit play at the top again but it was great yeah it really was yeah i mean it's one of those jams that like it's all by itself it's getting the show to all it's almost to the hundred just just on that jam alone uh sure not going to get it all the way there it needs these other jams to get there but it's but it's getting it partially the way there yeah it's a nine out of ten right there yeah the way the week of pot takes like like a really sharp left turn at seven minutes and then it goes into like trey's mini drum kit jam and then Mm -hmm. it goes into the digital delay loop but it's not a pure tray digital delay loop the whole band is playing with them Mike is doing some awesome shit and he's yeah. improvising yeah, yeah, yeah. like crazy. And then it kind of transitions into what I would describe as like, it's like story time fish. It's like what they play during narration in Colonel Forbes mm-hmm. at first, where they're it's like kind of sound effects and they're, they're improvising with each other. Swells and then and, it yeah. just starts swirling and getting big, like a fucking snowball um, yeah. to this point where it just starts, it just gets more and more dissonant until yeah, until it just kind of melts away and it's just, it's so fishy wonderful. I, I love it. Yeah.
Yeah, I just get in that into the head of the band. Yeah. Where they they just played all this music, and I'm sure on the set list, it it seems it appears to me they had discussed it and they said, look, it's we haven't played Mike's song in a few nights. We're gonna end set two with Mike's Weekapaw. Yeah. We're gonna fix what we fucked up last time, guys. We're gonna change <laughs> keys, but we're also gonna move from Mike's into Weekapaw. I think you feel that intent that they get into Mike's, they know they're gonna get to Weekapaw, so it has a Weekapaw esque, you know, bent to it. Right. So they're pushing through, and they're I think all of them subconsciously know where they're gonna land the plane, so they're already driving you know they're flying to that destination already yeah and so maybe that colors the mic so it's not as dark and it's not as dirty as normal right they get to weekapaw cleanly they land on that you know gorgeous weekapaw <laughs> runway and then they're having a good time and everything's fine and i think collectively as a band they realized we just didn't give this the chutzpah you know the right. end of the set that we need <laughs> so they choose instead of blowing out a big weekapaw solo to go into this dark deep weird space and explore these you know evil terrains and dark terrains and and then end with an acapella amazing grace was those are the moments for me that's like right. that separates fish from from everybody else and they are the band they're they're the band that does that and to collectively do that as a team and to feel each other i mean the, the as human beings that connection and you feel it at for me, there's a lot of moments in the show that were great. And I think this plus the split open and melt and the Reba and the Julius, like I'm, it's on the hundred. I'm happy. Right. But this was really, without the week ending the way it did, it would not have satisfied me the way I wanted. It was great. Fair enough. Yeah. It, yeah. it was great. Um, and then we get a, again, very strange encore. <laughs> um, I mean, I'd have gone home happy. Yeah, I Page not, was crushing again. Bluegrass not, opener and closer. <laughs> I'm not saying <laughs> I wouldn't have gone home happy, but just a single Uncle Uncle Pen closer. And granted, I love Uncle Pen. It's bouncy, it's upbeat, it's fun. The solars are great. But it's like you just witnessed something so epic. Just yeah. so epic and emotional. Yeah. And then to just come out and play this upbeat <laughs> country tune. I mean, it definitely is of the leave them wanting more variety of encore. Sure. We'll give it that. Um, but I'm not, but I think maybe, um, you know, if it was a hood or something, that definitely would have supplemented yeah. it. But maybe that's asking too much. I'll take the encore. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about like, I, I love the band and I love encore. I, I got a lot to say about encores. We could do a separate podcast. Uh, why do we do these? Why don't we just finish the show and go home? Why don't right. what do we? I mean, it becomes just you know a predetermined destiny, so it's not cool. Yeah, I used to just sit on the back of my seat most nights, be like, "Fuck, am I cheering for?" We know they're coming back, guys. I what think it's for doing? the wasted people that kind of like get caught off guard, and then there's like, "What? It's over?" You know, like. Well, I was a, if the band blew my fucking mind, I was standing screaming and cheering and like, I need more. That happened one out of every, you know, 15 or 20 fish shows I saw. The rest of the nights, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to sit down and wait and they'll come back and it's going to be great. But what are we doing? Like, we should just finish the show here. It was great. What are we doing? So I'm a weird anti-encore man. I don't, I think they should be earned, not given. Earned, not given. Earned, not given. Hot take. But 
Take it, take it back. <laughs> Uncle Penn's fine. It's totally fine. And I think it, it bookends the same way the acapella songs close set one and two, the bluegrass tunes bookend opening set one and encoring. So I think there's this weird little, you know, tying it up with a bow kind of moment. Yeah. You could have had like a dirt encore later, which would have been like, I love that song, but yeah. oof in the encore spot. What's that song everyone hates now that they play as an encore? Show of Life. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, Show of Life. Um, there's a few. Fri- I yeah. think that's unfair to Show of Life. I like Show of Life. I like I like all those ballads. It's just all about sure. You know, placement really. Sleeping Monkey as an encore. Uncle Pen mid set two. I don't know. Neither of that would have been great. Right. I thought Paige's solos were great in Uncle Pen. Let's give it, let's <laughs> give Uncle Pen some I, due. I agree. His solos were beautiful. He's a very good player. Yeah, I think the show deserves to be on the 100 for a lot of reasons. I think that I probably could find another show to push it off. But I think we're pushing a lot of, you know, 95 shows off the list right now. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see where we end up. But I really, I like this show a lot more than I thought. I liked it exactly as much as I thought it was going to. So, good. I, I win because I was right. Um, I well, just... I think I liked Fall 95 Rebus less than you did. Right. So I think you win twice, actually. Oof. Yeah. But, but I'm okay being down. Being down 2 nil is fine. I get guilty about being the winner. I like other people to win. Let's call it a tie. Um, I, did want right, to, right, right. I did want to address the Mike's Hydrogen Weekapaw from Live Bait. It's uh, on Live Bait 17, and it's from 10 mm. Kansas City, mm. Missouri. Solid 30 minutes. Mike's Hydrogen Weekapaw, well well worth a listen. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, I think we did it. Uh, what else is going so. on? Anything? Well, we had a new fish release, um, 11-14-97. Love it. You were at the show. Congratulations. I was. Uh, yeah. I. That was that was a fall 97. It was a pretty cool time. I, I was not one of those guys who got to see tons of shows that tour because I was a West Coast guy. But I saw Vegas, the first, the opener yeah. at the Thomas and Mac, which was the second Vegas show. So we'd all seen the Aladdin, which was so cool. Right. And then a year later or so, they played the Thomas and Mac, which is like a shitty, it's where UNLV plays basketball. We ended up seeing a lot of shows there, you more than me. And that show blew doors. It's underrated too in its own way. Like the stash, that was the first Black Eyed Katie on American soil, I think. It was like, yeah. it was a big show. And then there was a night off. I think it was a night off. Maybe no, it was just the very next night. And then you had a night off between Ugh. the two in Denver. Yeah. That was a rough drive to Salt Lake City. Right. Ugh. <laughs> there were some, there's some stories in there. It, Vegas is Vegas and we did not get a lot of rest. And I was in, I was banged up. But we got to Salt Lake City and it was cold as shit. I remember standing outside of that venue just freezing. And we went in and it was not full. Uh-huh. It was like half full at the most. And we had so much fun. Yeah. And it was it I've listened to all of it since it came out last week. And it's been really, really fun to listen to again. It's a great show. There Yeah, there's some moments that I like were a little sloppier than I remember. But uh Wow. Yeah, it was <laughs> Mike, Michael Michael Gordon is is a magic man. There was some real bass led moments in that show, and it just was great. I really I had fun. I'll take as many ninety seven twists as they want to give me. I can't get. Oh yeah. Cannot get. Yeah. 
and yeah, I mean, Fall Night 7 is a little bit sloppy, but that's that's why it's the, you know, abstract expressionist masterpiece that it is. And uh, there is a sort of consistency to these shows that's kind of staggering. Um, in terms of your drive from Vegas to Denver, was there um, an issue with... Curtain? It was Salt Lake City to Denver so, oh, yes, after that. Salt Lake yeah. City to Denver. Uh, that was a much better drive. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm that was gonna, fine. I'm going to not bring this up. Edit this out, Sam. <laughs> I was just going to say that it in 11 14 97 that mid first set 2001 is akin to this mid first set slave from this show right where you're like wait a minute wait a minute I'm like 25 30 minutes into the show and you're going to give me a 2001 right in 97 right like it was that was a fucking dance party like we at that point in fish you went uh, there was a lot of parts of fish but I, I'm not much of a dancer, right. but dance party fish, like you could not help yourself. And then, you know, when you're looking around and there's just thousands of people all dancing together, it is magic. Oh, yeah. You know, it makes up for all those junior high dances that were uncomfortable. And like you just you forget that whole dance like no one's watching. It's like, well, everyone's doing that. It's beautiful. Like Absolutely. it. Yeah. Mid first set. Two thousand one of my favorite it's good nights. stuff. Um, what the gumbo was also amazing. I just have a quick question. Yes. What, uh-huh. what is that noise that sounds like digi noise? Is that Mike? What do you know what I'm talking about in that jam or it's just kind of like it, it comes up a bunch. Actually, it, I'm going to get real nerdy now. I think if you listen to the summer 97 gumbo from wherever they played in Chicago, uh-huh. uh, you hear it too. Paige has this clavinet, like digital it, i can't tell if it's a clavinet or if it's a like a keyboard synth tone uh-huh. that just overrides the system sometimes got it and okay. it's like mirror 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 <laughs> <laughs> and totally get closer i'll <laughs> <laughs> have to edit that later but yeah i i think that's pages okay. organ kind of overloading the system yeah because i have heard that before you're right and it's, and it's obviously purposeful but sounds horrible <laughs> yes uh, yeah it's it's kind of like how trey's leslie in these 95 shows can like jump up his volume really quick and you're not ready for it right mixing sound is a real hard job paul languedoc has a hard job uh thanks paul Thank but yeah you, it was paul. good to hear that as a fish release and please give us more they're all great please yep. please please and uh, the next show we discuss is going to be twelve nine ninety five at the Knickerbocker in Albany. Speaking of, please give us official releases. Because I haven't started listening to this show. It has what is the You Enjoy Myself to end all You Enjoy Myself. But that is the only soundboard that you can find is just of that song. And again, I like, you know, I don't want to be nitpicky. But that's like uh, from the archives release, as is the 1020 mm-hmm. Harry Hood. And Kevin, they deserve better. They, these are better yep. than Alzheimer. Yep. They deserve a home in the live page. You're giving us like a six out of 10. Come on. Yeah. I mean, these are, yeah. Anyhow. And this is the you enjoy myself to end all you enjoy myself. Well, I mean, I, I love so many, but that is the lore. <laughs> and I haven't listened to it in, you know, a year or two. Yeah. But it, I am so excited. Yeah. And I know the show has a lot to give us, but that is, yeah. So should we discuss the, the Zappa 71 just, just for the tack? 
not I mean, not should yet. we get into I'll this save this because i haven't had a time to delve into it i've been busy okay. and, yeah but i do want to discuss it but tack you can look forward to next episode we will be discussing 71 zappa well it, these come out months after we record them so i have one thing to say now okay say it now because tack will be listening then <laughs> so what i did not understand until i began to listen to them because i am so enamored with billy the mountain and we all were and I must have listened to the original Mother 71, Billy the Mountain, you know, a hundred times, let's say. I knew every nuance, every note. I did not know that everyone was so different. Right. They are, the amount of what they're coming up with on the spot as a band. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it at a later date, but this was this was the win, Tack. I, I appreciate it. It's like a... Because that one flew under my radar. I didn't even see it. Yeah. Like I just saw they re-released Jazz from Hell, and yeah. that makes me want to go re-listen to that. But I didn't even see this one, so um, everyone should listen to Frank Zappa once a week. Let's say once a week. Once a week, I'm on it. I'll be I'll some be. Frank Zappa, a song, an album, seven albums, just once a week. I've got a yeah, tree named Ethel growing on my shoulder right now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna water her as soon as we get off this call. Honey, yada yada. <laughs> yep. All right, Sam. Well, good. great conversation. I loved listening to this show over and over again. And uh, as always, a pleasure. Goodbye, everyone. Enjoy Bye, your everybody. listening adventures, and we will uh, be with you soon. Yeah. Uh, see everyone later. Hello there, friends, and thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or would like to reach out to Ian and I about anything at all, you can find us at companion2thecompanion at gmail.com.